All right, so good morning, everybody. Um, it's kind of a unique, I'm in a unique place this morning, mentally, uh, just trying to think through this, because I very rarely get to a Sunday morning and, and have received kind of the completion of a sermon prior to Sunday morning. <laughs> um, and uh, last week was like, you know, the total opposite of this week. Last week, I was like, Lord, help me. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know uh, exactly what, what it is you're wanting to convey. And so I was like in deep prayer, and it was like 12.30 in the morning on Sunday when I woke up wide awake, and I was like, all right, now it's time. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and so I came downstairs, and, and he really started to kind of show me some stuff about what he was wanting to share last week. This week, you know, um, it wasn't as early as maybe my tech guys would have liked it. They're always asking for content by Thursday. Uh, so I apologize, Luke and AJ, for never getting it to you by Thursday. I don't know where you're, where you're at. You're Th- oh, thank you, AJ. Thank you. 70 times seven. Yeah, right. 70 times seven times. Uh, but it was done uh, by yesterday morning. And I was like, is it really kind of like a complete idea? Like, this is really, ab- it was very abnormal. And I actually spent the rest of my day kind of uneasy because I was, in, you know, and even into this morning, just kind of uneasy because... Like last week, God was like, I'm going to show you how I can show up at the end of when you, like, like right at the, you know, three-point shot at the buzzer moment. And he did. And then this week, he was like, and now I'm going to show you how I can prepare in advance. It's never a matter of, 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 of your doing. And I think some people maybe need to hear that this morning. Like, whatever you're saying, like, I need, I need, I need, I need, God's like, I will give when the time is right. God, I will give when the time is right. Sometimes I will give it to you in advance, and sometimes I will give it to you where you're like in that moment of desperation because I want to remind you, you need me. We do. We need him. And so we got to learn that it's never a matter of his timing being imperfect or him delaying out of a, a sense of, you know, it's always about teaching us and instructing us because that's what he does to the children whom he loves. He's trying to show you more about him. He's trying to reveal more to you about him. He's trying to, 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 to help you cultivate a relationship with him. And so he'll work in different ways at different seasons because that's who he is. That's who he is. And um, we're in the midst of this sermon series, which is our vision, mission, and value series. Um, we're, uh, this morning, obviously, we're talking about what it is, what it is to be one church so far we have talked about uh one king was the very first value we have one king seated on the throne in heaven amen right we're part of one house we believe one truth one truth the word of god imparted to us by god right we have uh one spirit the spirit of the lord the holy spirit We have one family, right? If you believe, you've been given a blood infusion if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We are no longer just acquaintances who pass by, but we are family, right? We have the same saving blood flowing through our our veins. And uh, last week I talked about one gospel 
And I talked about, really, I mean, we know the gospel is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The, 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 of his life, of his death, of his resurrection, and of his intercession for us before the throne. And that is the good news that we get to take into all the world. The gospel literally means good news, and we get to carry that good news with us wherever we go. This is the good news. I'm very microform. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So the Bible tells you so. And so this is, this is the gospel. But what I really kind of pointed out last week is the impact that the gospel should have on your life. It should, if you have if had an actual revelation of who Jesus is, you will change. You cannot stay the same and say, I've had a revelation as to the saving power and love of Jesus Christ. Because, again, as I already stated, the Father corrects and admonishes and instructs the children whom he loves. You know, it's like when my kids, you know, I, like in the morning, this has become a thing where I fill up, like right, almost first thing, I fill up soapy water in the one side of the sink before they get their breakfast. Right? And then my kids, they like to eat their breakfast and, uh, and leave it at the table, the dishes at the table. Or I'm like, take your dishes to the kitchen. They'll take the dishes to the kitchen. And, they'll, and I'll even say, wash it. Take your dishes to the kitchen and wash it. But it's like, they'll either leave it there, they'll take it and sit it by the sink, and then it, they might eventually wash it with further coaxing from their father. Indeed. Right? But it's the love of a father that instructs a child, like, you can't just leave it there. The dirty mess in your life. The dirty mess in your life. Like, God wants to help instruct you and teach you and encourage you to, to see it cleaned up. And then not to see it cleaned up, but to create a pattern and a habit of behavior by which you don't do that dirty thing anymore. You got that? So my children will slowly but surely start to learn, like, this isn't okay for me to leave the dirtiness. I need to take care of it and see that it gets cleaned and washed and create a habit of taking it to be washed. <laughs> and so that was last week. And this week we're talking about one church. Um, as I'm just going to kind of keep stating that because I think I see some new faces in here this morning. So just so you know, with every value, core value, we have the core, which is the singular idea because we're becoming, uh, the idea is we're becoming a united body in Christ Jesus and so everything is singular in nature because it's all pointing to one source, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. So we are one church, but with every core value and core of the value, we have the value itself. And so if you want to throw that up, Natalie, the value is uh, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to any and all who will hear. Is that in there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to any and all who will hear it, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then with every value, we have a scripture reference. And so our scripture this morning, um, it'll be up there, but if you want to flip to it so that you can kind of you know, sit on it this morning, it's Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 to 20. And most of you probably know this one pretty much by heart. Or at least have heard it a number of times. That is true. 
I just hope it doesn't happen right now to me. Did anybody hear that? A heart attack can happen to anyone at any time. It was what just played out over there. I'm like, that is, it's terrifying, yeah. It's like, that is terrifying. You know, it's so funny. How many of you guys have seen the movie Pollyanna? From way back in the day, it's, it's, it's an old movie, all right? Way, old, old Disney movie. Pollyanna, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a long, long, long time ago. But the pastor, he gets up in the first sermon. Do you guys remember that moment? When the pastor gets up, death comes unexpectedly. <laughs> was his first line out of his mouth in such an angry and mean tone. And he's just like, it was, you know, fire and brimstone type sermon. And it was like, yeah, death comes unexpectedly. Yeah. I, I, my, my family just, they laugh about that. Like when I have lunch after the service with them, they're like, did you put it in yet? Have you stuck that line in there yet? Like they keep telling me I'm supposed to say that. And I'm like, no, that's just, no, that's wrong. <laughs> so wrong. But it's true. And we have to realize that a heart attack can happen at any time. Um, that's, this is not the message this morning. I swear, this is not it. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so 28, let's read down through this. Let's get down to business. Uh, verses, yeah, 18 on down. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is like what I said last week, guys. The authority Jesus has reclaimed over this earth. It is no longer the prince of the air that has authority Thank on this earth. You. He took back the keys. All right? Jesus himself is saying this. I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus is right. He is with us always to the ends of the age. Now, when I was, you know, you're, you're looking at the value. Um, can we stick the value back up there again really quick, Natalie? Thank you. And, uh, oh, no, the, the description of the value. Thank you. Preach the gospel to Jesus Christ, or of Jesus Christ, not to Jesus Christ. He knows the gospel. Of Jesus Christ to any and all who will hear it, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it, it, kind of similar to last week, you, you might be thinking, like, where's the one church in this? Right? Like, we could have named this one baptism. That is in the word. Right? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It says it right clearly in Ephesians 4. We also could have named this one mission. Could have been the value that we uh, highlighted out of this passage. But the, the point is that our one baptism, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and our one mission that was given by Jesus Christ is what gives us the vision to be the one church we're supposed to be. You guys catch that? The baptism, the one baptism that he's referring to is the revelation of Jesus Christ plus the one mission 
that Jesus is commissioning his church to do equates to the one church. It equals one church. So when we're utilizing this and we're saying this is, this is the God-given vision for his church. It's wrapped up in this statement that, that we are to be going. Bless you. We are to be going. We are to, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we are to train people up to do the work of the Lord. And then we are to see that replication occur. And it's all around what? One king, one Jesus, one Lord and Savior. But it, it, that singular focus makes us, should, should make us unified as one church. It should. If we're keeping our eyes on that, that aspect, right? Jesus is always trying to get his people to understand that we are to look up at him and him alone. He's always trying to get us. He's always saying, remember, right? How many times in the scriptures does it say, remember what I've done? Remember me. Jesus says, take this bread, take this cup, and remember what I've done. He's constantly saying, look up at me, because if you don't, the battle begins to be lost, actually. And right, Moses, when he went up on the mountain, when Joshua was fighting the battle, and he's up there, and he's like, hands held high, and he's got his eyes on the Lord and his direction of his spirit upward towards heaven. Even when his arms are getting tired, right, his brothers come alongside him, literally his brother Aaron and then his brother of faith, her, they come alongside him and they help to hold his, his, his eyes upward, his hands upward. They continue to help him pray and intercede on behalf of the battle that's going on in the ground. But every time this descended and every time the eyes descended and he began to look at the battle, Israel would start to lose the fight. And I can't say that enough, guys. We have got to be, in the words of Woody Woodson, eyes up. He gave that word in a timely manner and in a timely way to this fellowship when he came back in November. He said, eyes up. And we have got to maintain it, especially this year. I say that because this year is an election year, and we all know the world is riddled with distractions during an election year, riddled with them. Satan is like, yeah, sure, take your eyes off of the Lord. Pay attention to the chaos, and we'll see who wins, right? Eyes up is our word, up. And so he's, he, Jesus is always trying to get us to remember that and to think about that. And, uh, and, but I just wanted to take a moment this morning and I wanted to just go over some of the things um, that result as a, 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 that is a result of our eyes dropping. Because we need to hear this. We need to hear some of the things. And so I have a, actually have a YouTube clip, <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> yeah, I know, look, see, I've got like clips and there's even maybe some graphs that'll come out this morning. <laughs> Like, I'm telling you, God did a whole different thing this week. This is not, don't get used to this. So, is there in it? Is it in there? Go ahead and play it. Is there, there should be audio. <laughs> Let's see, they're going to try it again maybe with the audio. <laughs> yeah, right, isn't it hysterical? 
funny <laughs> uh, the sad thing is uh, it's a hysterical video but the sad thing is when I saw it it was being shared as like a uh, part of a Facebook story and uh, over top of the woman there it just said Jesus and over top of the two dogs it said Christians that's like it was funny and then it wasn't it was funny, and then it wasn't. Because this is, I mean, it's not, it, like, this is the, the world's perspective of us. <laughs> this is our perspective of us. It's, unf it's really sad, but it's like Jesus is standing there, and, and you know, this, this woman standing there with her dogs, and she's like, eh, eh, and they're all content, and they're all happy, and they're all good as far as the, having our eyes on her and then when she when she drops the blanket and seems to disappear they they turn on each other they begin to fight with amongst one another they begin to tear into each other and the other videos that, uh, where you see, this is, she was doing this because it had become like a trendy thing, popular thing. You know how these trends kind of hit social media? And it's like other people would do it, and the dogs would jump off of whatever they were sitting on and chase to try to find the owner. Wouldn't that be a better church? Wouldn't that produce a church? The, the church that says, I'm going to be in pursuit of my master. And I'm not going to, because I lose sight of my master, turn on my brothers and sisters. Turn on those that are sitting in the chairs next to me or those in the houses of worship down the street or those in the, the, other, the other denominations. I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's, that's just what I'm saying. Like, this is the whole point. In Galatians 5.15, Paul writes to his church. And he says, but if you bite and devour one another... Watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I mean, it's very clear. And right before this, he's saying, you are made to be free, brothers and sisters. But do not, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But instead, love one another by laying your life down for the others. Your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your friend, your family. Then he goes on to say that admonishment. But if you instead choose to do this, bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Paul has some pretty hard truths, but really good truths. Guys, remember this. Jesus loves you this morning. They're hard truths, but they're really good truths. And he wrote them into a lot of his letters to his churches. And so I'm going to talk to you really quick. I'm bringing up this, this aspect of the 1 Corinthians 3, 2 to 7. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, I gave you milk to drink. Oh, sorry. Should be in there. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 to 7, Natalie. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready. Because you are still worldly. 
For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, or another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are both servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. See, he's speaking to the Corinth church because they were quickly losing the sight of who is the one whom they worship and have committed their their, their, uh, lives to. Right? And what did they do? They let their gaze drop and they stopped looking up towards heaven and they started looking at the words of the men that they were following and saying, I choose your opinions and perspectives over your opinions and perspectives, so therefore I'm going to align myself as a disciple of Apollos. And the other people are like, well, I'm sticking with Paul because he's saying more of what I believe in and his, my opinions align with that. And they're both saying, what are you doing? I'm telling you guys, There are better preachers in the world than me. And you guys are like, yeah, duh. (laughs) But I'm saying that because it's never about what any pastor or preacher is speaking to you. It's about the word of God. And it's about you seeking. When you come here this morning and you're listening to what I'm saying, I'm not going to impart anything of value to you. Only your heavenly father. So when you're listening and you're thinking, man, I missed what he just said. What you? And, you're, and maybe you're trying to take notes. Maybe you're trying to like track along and you're trying to write things down. I've had this happen to me so many times. I'll go to a conference. I got my notebook and I'm trying to track with what people are saying. And I'm like looking at my wife's notebook like, like here, did you get that? I, I don't know. I missed. And I stopped doing that because I finally got to a place at this last conference that I went to, the Jesus Image Conference back in September where God said, who are you here to, to listen to? Them or me? And I realized I didn't have to try to catch every little thing. I just had to catch the thing. The truth that God was trying to speak to me in that day, in that moment, and live that out, chase after that. And it, it wasn't a matter of having to try to catch all. Because it, God is, like, this morning, I just give you the freedom in this room, to let God speak way more clearly, way more loudly, way more real with you than what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to convey. It has, like, I got nothing to offer you except the life laid down before him. And I just hope he uses it well. But they, the Corinth church, they lost sight of that. And they began to think that this person's words were more important than God himself. And a life surrendered to God. They started, you know, desiring and, and, and acquiring a name after another man. It's like in the book of Revelations when John begins to bow down to the angel who gave him a message. And the angel says, dude, don't do that. Right. He's like, don't do I'm just a servant of the living God as you are. He's up there on the throne. Like, don't bow down to me. Like, angels are like, don't worship us. We're not God either. 
And Paul addresses the same sort of type, the same sort of behavior to the church of Galatians or Galatia, the Galatian church. In Galatians 1, 6 to 12, he says to them, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, because there isn't, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we've preached to you, a curse beyond him. As we, have said, as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For I am now trying to persuade people, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I know that was a mouthful, but at the same time, like he, the church of, 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 in Galatia, they were having the same issue. People were coming, and they were, they, were, you know, they were bringing a message that was the truth from a perspective. And instead of keeping their eyes on the revelation of the original truth they received, which was Jesus Christ alone, and walking that out, they began to allow the perspective of these men to taint the truth and draw them towards something that wasn't actually the truth. And we have a lot of these types of things going on uh, in the church today. This is a major, major cause of division in our one church God is trying to build. It's, it's a pandemic that, uh, that I lovingly refer to as the gospel plus. It's not a subscription you can stream through. I wrote that joke in my notes. I was like, ha this is not a subscription you can. I'm like, oh, man, canned jokes are so ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> it's like I wrote it down. I'm like, Apple plus, you know, Paramount plus, like all, or Disney plus. Anyways. But this is a pandemic. The gospel plus, that's, we have many manifestations of this gospel plus mentality riddling the church, and it unfortunately is deterring the church from the unity by which God came and died. And so I want to just touch on a few of these things, and again, Jesus loves you, all right? So I want to touch on a few of these things because I want you, I'm doing this, this is for a self-assessment, just Self-assessment time, all right, as I'm going down through them, like, oh, have I, have I bought into any of these particular distortions and stepped out of alignment of just the simple gospel, all right? You know, probably one of the most blatant that many of us have heard of is the prosperity gospel, correct? The prosperity gospel is the idea of blessings being at the center of that which is your life with Christ, so it comes down to, um, you know, if I align my life with Christ, then I'm going to receive 
blessings and favor and, and, and prosperity in some way, shape, or form, right? And, and uh, I'm going to get the job I've always wanted. I'm going to get the car and the house and the, the things I've always desired. I'm going to have the, the money in the bank that I've always dreamt of having. I'm going to have the have, 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 haves. And it's like because, you know, the, we, we, we equate the blessing that it should be just enough in Jesus itself to being like that is going to equate to additional earthly blessings. But it's like that I don't see that when I read the word. It's like Christ himself says, pick up your cross and follow me. I touched on that last week. He says to die to your flesh. He, 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 he says the road is going to be narrow and few will find it. Not wide and luxurious. Now, that's just a, a, a you know, it's a, dis, it's a slight distortion. Now, I say that in all love because I do believe that when you align your life with Jesus Christ and you submit your will fully and completely to him, you will prosper in ways you didn't even realize you were actually wanting. That's, that's the prosperity of following Jesus Christ. It's like all of a sudden, the things that you thought you wanted really don't matter anymore. And, and you begin to understand that there is really only one thing I want, and that's Jesus Christ. And whatever he's going to add unto me, right? We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto me. You know, it, it, it's, those things are the fruits of the Spirit. I love that I'm full of joy. Because of Jesus Christ. I didn't need to get a big car. I'm living in my parents' house, guys. I'm like, have been since we moved back. That's right. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I love you. I love you, Mom and Dad, if you ever watch this. I love you so much. But I still have joy. <laughs> no, I'm like, but that's, that's because the, the spirit, when you align yourself with it, the prosperity that you receive is so much better than what you think you want. Yeah, and it, the prosperity is just simply walking, knowing, just knowing who you are. So much of the world is trying to figure out who they are. And so many of the distortions is because you don't know. You buy into a distorted gospel because you're not really sure who you are, but you just hear this this morning. You're a son and a daughter of God. That's who you are. And the, 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 the doing and the, the being and the striving and the building and the, you know, all of the other things that, that happen out of, an ali- out of an identity crisis doesn't need to happen anymore. And we might pray into that at the end of the service. Um, just sensing it right now. So the other, another distortion. I need to keep moving because I'm running out of time fast. Popularity gospel. This is kind of a new one to hit the scenes. And this one is very common, especially for your younger millennial Gen Zers who are really into social media. And it's the idea that by, by, by posting uh, a, a video clip or by, by making something happen, you're going to get likes, clicks, and follows. And then all of a sudden, the gospel is displaced by influence. 
All of a sudden you think I need to, like in order to make a difference, I need to be an influencer. And it's no longer just the simple truth of following Jesus as much as it is, what kind of influence can I have in the world? And it again comes out of an identity crisis because you're feeling insignificant. You're feeling like I, 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 need, to, I need to amount to something. You already do. All right. Jesus says in Luke 14, 11, he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. <laughs> and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So when we're chasing after those things, eventually you come to the end of the line as you're trying to exalt yourself and build your kingdom here as opposed to his kingdom. And it'll topple. Trust me, it'll topple all around you. I've been there. <laughs> I've tasted that one. I'm like, it's not, it's not fun. And I want to just, so this popularity gospel, though, this one is, it's really hurting us. It's really hurting us in the eyes of reaching the world. I have a, a graph, actually, Natalie. Let's get that up there. So there was a study done by Relevant Magazine, and it was part of this uh, series that they were doing called Spiritually, oh, that's really, well, just know that I had a graph, and you maybe <laughs> will Post it. We can post it on the Facebook page, and you guys can check it out. <laughs> I'm sure none of you brought your telescope with you this morning <laughs> in order to see that. Um, <laughs> or like it's like those ben Benjamin Franklin glasses where you're like. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this was a study. It was done by Barna and, uh, you know, done across the nation. This is really, 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 guys, this is both hopeful and like, ugh, hurts, all at the same time. Because the study showed that seven in 10, that's 71% of Americans say they view Jesus Christ positively. 71% of Americans view Jesus as a positive, all right? 63% say, they have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that is still important in their life today. At some point in time, 63% are saying at some point in time, I've made a commitment that's still important in my life today. Among millennials, the number is actually higher. 70% say their commitment to Jesus is still important to them. But when it came to the church itself, even Christians seem to have a lower view. 47% of Americans said that they have a positive view have a positive view. Only 47 said they have a positive view of the local church. All right. Among self-identifying Christians, people who claim to be a part of the church, the number was only 58%. So it still wasn't that great. Amongst the church itself, it still like has a very low perspective of the church. All right. Pastors themselves, so people's perspective of pastors, um, the the number was 44% of adults having a positive view. And of Christians, only 56% have a positive view of their pastors. <laughs> Anne's like, yeah. So, but interestingly, you can't really see up here, but what's, what's really interesting is Jesus Christ gets the biggest numbers. Amen. 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 Right? Uh, spirituality gets the next up. The Bible gets the next up. Good. Right? Christianity gets the next up. But churches in the community, you can see the kind of, a, there's like a first chunk or drops 
churches in your community less, Christian pastors and priests less, uh, evangelicals, it drops again, really chunks down at evangelicals, right? But then the numbers keep going, and what's the bottom? The bottom four, I love this. Famous, well-known worship bands, famous people, celebrity Christians, celebrity pastors, uh, is the, the second to bottom is celebrity pastors, and the very, very bottom is mega churches. Why? Because the church is bought into a popularity gospel. And by trying to be that which is relevant, they've become irrelevant. Because they're not selling the truth. It's not selling. That's a horrible word. They're not stating the truth. They're selling the truth. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. And so the popularity gospel has had a horrible impact on people's perspective. Now, the good news is they're open to Jesus, guys. The good news is they actually don't mind the Bible. They just don't necessarily understand it. The good news is Christianity isn't horribly looked down upon. It's just the way it has hypocritically manifested within the culture. Celebrityism is not Jesus' life. He became a celebrity by people coming to know him, but he was there for three years. But in his three years, he was not saying, I'm going to become the, mess, the most well-known, greatest king this world has ever seen. He, what did he do? He served. He washed feet. He met people who nobody else wanted to meet. He, he dealt uh, lovingly with women who in the time were not dealt lovingly with. He forgave. He poured out his blood and broke, allowed his body to be broken, and he did it in total and utter submission. And it was a, <laughs> it's the most beautiful reality any of us could step into. And we don't have to sell that. You just got to live it. But you have to live like it. Do you understand? You have to live like it. You don't have to peddle the gospel. Now, there's grace because God is utilizing. Now, listen, because all of a sudden we can say, well, then nobody should be posting this and nobody should be sharing that and nobody should be trying to build big things. No, 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 no. Don't let it become an opinion by which you start to criticize others. I'm just saying check yourself if you've started to pursue something in the way of your own popularity. Remember, this isn't about us pointing fingers at other churches. Uh, 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 uh. God forbid. Please, no, seriously, I'm praying that. God forbid we point fingers at other churches and say they're doing it wrong. Out of our own opinions. So, I just want to say that. It's okay, but we have to recognize it's not the right way. But if God has instilled in somebody a platform by which he's going to prosper and, 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 and he's going to build his kingdom, it's not our place to judge that's never and will never be our place. Another one is the power gospel. I'm going to go really quick through these last two because I've got uh, not a lot of time and we've got to wrap up. Power gospel. The gospel plus power has become, this is a big thing within the, uh, within the evangelical church, which I think is reflected poorly on it, which is that the gospel plus your supernatural gifts is somehow the truer or more right gospel. And it becomes more about the gift than the gift giver. 
And this is an honorable pursuit. So this one is very slight because we are supposed to. If we look at 1 Corinthians 14, it says in 14.1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. But you want to know why it says especially that you may prophesy? Why that one is even heightened? Because the spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. Like, do you understand what, I, what I'm saying is when you say Jesus is Lord, that's prophecy. And you're speaking something that is in alignment with the truth. And that revelation of who Jesus is allows you to say it. So when it says, especially that you may prophesy, if you say nothing else to anybody else, just simply say Jesus is Lord. People have died over that statement. Been crucified and put to death because they will not stop saying Jesus is Lord. In the middle... (laughs) In the Middle East, they're put on their knees and they have a knife to their throat and they're saying, deny your, deny your Savior. And they don't. They say, Jesus is Lord, and that's it. This is happening in the world, people. Just because we don't have to deal with it doesn't mean it's not. Jesus is Lord. It's the spirit of prophecy right there. That's it. So when he's saying you aspire for the spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy, it's just simply that you have a revelation of who he is. <laughs> the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of prophecy. There's a great Maverick City music song out that's, that just declares that. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's in the book of Revelations. Look it up. It's beautiful. All right, and then in Matthew 7, 20, 22 to 23, he also says, on that day, many will, oh, so this is the warning, right? This is why it's like, yeah, aspire to have the gifts, but don't necessarily displace the giver of the gifts with the gift itself, because you might hear these words at the day of judgment. On that day, many will say me, to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and drove out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. And then Jesus says, I will, renounce, or I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Yep. That's the warning of, of, of displacing the true gospel and the knowing and the intimacy, the yada, of knowing Jesus Christ with the, just wanting to work and operate in the power that he offers. You can't separate them, but you definitely, definitely don't want to displace them one with the other. Oh, gosh, there's so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so last but not least, the last one is the political gospel. Can I say that this year? Uh, the gospel plus governing rule. The gospel plus, like, that there is some way, shape, or form in which governance is the answer, and, and, it, and it's not. It's not, not in the man-made, man you know, flawed man-made systems in which we reside. Governance is the answer in which we actually ascribe ourselves as uh, citizens of a kingdom in which Jesus Christ is seated on the throne. And we operate with that mindset that he is our king and that we worship and adore him and we live according to his will. And then, and then that flows out and impacts. I love this quote by Martin Luther. I have to say it because... 
uh, it, it really, I feel like he, Martin Luther King Jr. says this in such a great, great way. He says, morality cannot be legislated. You guys hear it? But behavior can be regulated. Judicial decrees may not change the heart, but they can restrain the heartless. So I say that to say that doesn't mean don't care about it. That just means don't displace the gospel with it. It is not our saving grace. Hear that going into this year. This is about as political as I will ever get. Other than telling you, you serve a king. You serve a king. You serve a king. Because that's the truth. There's, yeah. So, and then, uh, oh, did I say that was the last one? This is the last one. Man's gospel. That you are saved. Uh, the man's gospel. Man's gospel is probably the most deceptive gospel in the mix. Um, it, it, it's the idea that you're saved by grace plus a prioritization of correct actions and thinking. So it's not just the gospel. It's the gospel plus we have a methodology, therefore we become Methodists. It's the gospel plus we highlight and prioritize the act of baptism so we become Baptists. It's the gospel plus, and I'm not trying to knock denominations, hear me, like, but this is where these things have steered from and created a fractured church in which unity becomes seemingly impossible because they're, they're, they're trying to say it's by our actions and by our deeds and what we prioritize in our opinions and preferences plus the gospel. So that, that, it, that theology or the philosophy becomes the center instead of just Jesus Christ. Now, I do want to say this, that I believe, and hey, yes, all, all of you at this point, it's 1147. We've been saying this for weeks now. If you ever need to get up and walk out because you have somewhere to be and you have, or your kids need to be picked up, you have absolute permission to get up and go. Don't, you know, don't feel obligated to stay uh, unless, of course, the Spirit tells you to. <laughs> um, so you're free to move on. Um, but this is the most de deceptive. It's the most divisive. And uh, you guys, I, I'm not leaving non-denominational churches out of it. We've done the same thing, just in a different with a different tune. We've said that it doesn't need to be that, and it doesn't need to be this. It should be like this. And, and so instead of just going after Jesus, we've made it about particular ways in which he moves, and we say, I prefer that way. I prefer hymns over loud bands. You know, I prefer, you know, pews over chairs. I, I you know, I prefer liturgy over the, you know, whatever, free movement of the spirit, you know, or whatever that might be. And so we, we've displaced things. Um, we've di displaced the gospel or distorted the gospel with things, and they're not what Jesus came to die for. None of these distortions are what he came to die for. Um, I have a quote by Brother Lawrence, and then we're going to land the plane here. It says, the difficulties of life do not have to be unbearable. It is the way we look at them, through faith or unbelief, that makes them seem so. We must be convinced that our Father is full of love for us and that he only permits trials to come our way for our own good. 
Let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love him. We will learn to love him equally in times of distress or in times of great joy. So what does the church look like? What does one church look like when it keeps its eyes fixed on the Savior, on Jesus Christ? It looks, as, it, looks like, um, it looks like this. Sacrifice is the church's desire. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Hebrews 12.2 is so good. Keeping, your eyes, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the, joy that they, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sacrifice is the church's desire. And we all need to learn to walk in this. Humility is the church's nature. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, he says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself. He sacrificed himself. He humbled himself. Weakness is the church's strength. Right? This is a heaven versus earth thing. The earth is declaring you have to stand up, you have to be strong, you have to this, you have to that, like, ugh, strong, power to, more power to you type of thing. But the he in, in, in the, from the heaven's perspective, it's saying that I am made strong only through Jesus Christ. He can help me to overcome whatever my weakness is, whatever my temptation is, whatever the struggle is. But I have to first admit that I'm weak and that I have a temptation. I have a struggle. I have an addiction. I have, a, a, you know, I'm broken. And in that weakness, Jesus comes in and he pours out his healing love. And all of a sudden, it, your strength is coming from a source that's outside of yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.4, he says, uh, says this, For he was crucified in weakness. But he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. But in dealing with you, we will live with him by God's power. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he says, So I take pleasure in weakness, insults. This is Paul. He's like, I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Guys, I know, I know a guy, he spoke at, uh, 
YWAM, I've heard him speak a number of times sharing his story. Uh, his name is Dan Bauman. You can look him up. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a book out called Cell 58, and it's all about his time in prison in Iran when he was a missionary, and he got arrested and thrown in prison. He was in prison for nine weeks, and he um, didn't know if he was going to live or die. He didn't know he was in there for nine weeks, honestly, like he lost track of time. You know, just think about it. Think about the process and the, the mental state you would be in. Um, in that prison, though, he, he actually, the guards, the prison guards didn't know that he could speak uh, Arabic. They didn't know that he knew how to speak what they were, you know, their language. And in that prison, while he was sitting in his cell and listening to the guards have conversations, two of the, I think it was like two of the guards, read the book if you want to get it really accurately. This is just sort of a, uh, <laughs> my version of it right now in the moment. But two of the guards, um, they began to ask questions because he was there as a missionary of Jesus Christ. And they started having these conversations outside his cell door and wondering why these Christian missionaries keep coming to their country when they know that they could get killed for it. And th this, these questions started to stir something up in them. By the end of his time being there, they became saved. He didn't do a thing other than, he wasn't even in Iran. To do, he was flying through Iran or, or on a bus or something, but he was crossing the border, and that's where he got arrested, was at the border crossing and thrown in prison. He was in Afghanistan doing ministry. So he was just like passing through, gets arrested, and then people come to the Lord. But in his, it, it was in his weakness. He's in there, and he's just like pleading out to the Father for, like, for it to make any reason, any sense whatsoever that he was in jail. And then he hears these prison guards come to the Lord. And there's a whole, I'm telling you guys, if you want your faith, read the, Cell 58 is the name of the book. Whoops, Cell 58. Um, but he goes around now all over the world, and he, ta he talks at YWAM bases all over the world, and his, his, his number one topic is friendship with Jesus. Because that man, he is, whoo, he's got friendship with the Lord like you wouldn't believe. God has shown him some amazing things, and you're like, that doesn't sound like a good friend to me that would allow me to get locked up in jail for nine weeks. And he didn't think it was for a while. And part of his story was an attempt at taking his own life within the cell. And so, I mean, I'm telling you guys, like, it was not just roses, sunshine and roses. It was difficult. So... Sacrifices the church's desire should be. Humility should be the church's nature. Weakness is the church's strength. Surrender is the church's authority. Surrender is the church's authority. Yes. I, I should have had slides up. I, I didn't get to this. What was I thinking? Sacrifice is, sacrifice is the church's desire. Should be. I'm just saying, like, this is what one church should look like. Sacrifice should be our desire. Humility should be our nature. Weakness should be seen as our strength. Surrender is our actual authority. Luke 23, 46 to 47 says, And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, this man really was righteous. 
Does that sound like a man who came to usurp authorities and dethrone the kingdoms of men? No, he came in order to establish a throne in heaven. He didn't come to overthrow Caesar. And frankly, a lot of his disciples and followers were very upset at that. <laughs> but that's not why he came. He came because he came to establish, establish himself as the actual king of heaven and earth. And what I love is in this surrender of Jesus to his crucifixion, breathing his last breath, the centurion who's looking upon him, standing close enough to hear him say the words, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. He then has a realization and a revelation as to who God is, who Jesus was. He said, this man really was righteous. Now, this is probably a man, he, he could have been the one that stabbed him in the side with a spear. He could have been the one that was nailing his hands to the cross or placed the thorn, crown of thorns on his head or whipped him with the cat of nine tails. Or he could have just been one that was wearing a piece of the Savior's garments when they cast lots for it. And he was just keeping an eye on him until he dies. But in that moment of utter surrender to the Father, and utter obedience to who God is, what happens? Power. Power. Because you don't just come to a revelation of the righteousness of God without his power washing over you. And in our surrender, the church is established. When we stop trying to fight by our own means and we surrender to the Father's will, not my will, but your will be done, Heavenly Father. And the last of the things that I'm going to point out as, a, as an attribute or a characteristic of what one church looks like, unity is the church's heart. Unity is supposed to be the church's heart. John 17, 21 to 23 says this. This is Jesus praying over the church. Jesus, his words himself over all of the church, over all of the world. And he says, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, right, in us. May they be our heartbeat in the world so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's Jesus' plea to the Father in heaven over his church. That's what he's desiring more than any, anything else. This was the joy that was set before him by which he endured the cross. Was to see us come together in unity. To come together in one mindset. Being baptized, one baptism, one faith, one Lord. And so, um, AJ, you want to come on up and play us out? I'm going to just, I just, I, I hope you guys... 
are catching this this morning. And like I said, don't forget, Jesus loves you. Um, <laughs> I just, oh. Uh. Jordan, I just want to share that. Yeah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Trudy. The, um, thank you so much. That's, I mean, the heart is for, yeah, unity. And there are opportunities for unity all around us if we look for it. There are opportunities to cross into other people's spheres and, 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 and just seek, guys, seek after Jesus, but be willing to engage the hard things. Be willing to, to have the hard discussions. Like, I highly encourage you guys to get out to Dan Moeller as he comes into the Youngsville Free Methodist Church this weekend. He's been here before, but he's there this time. And he's going to be sharing, I believe, a good timely word for this region at this point in time. God is wanting to start to cultivate within this fellowship a heart for connectivity outside these four walls. And, I, you know, this is the vision we're casting. This is the mission we're walking. These are the reasons we're talking about this, these values is because everything, it comes down to, to get, it just comes down to gathering in the name of Jesus Christ. Guys, the word ecclesia, Many of you probably know of it, the Greek word ekklesia. It's the Greek for the church. It was mentioned 114 times. Don't want to get it wrong. 114 times in the New Testament. And it's ek, which is um, to what? Out of. And kaleo, which is call to call. So we are to be a called out people not necessarily a called into this building for these couple of hours on a Sunday morning, people. But this is part of the equation because the ecclesia, when you're looking at all of the different scriptural references, and I'll post this, I'll actually have this posted on uh, the Facebook page as well. The ecclesia, it, it represented many forms of, any forms of gathering in the name of the Lord, coming together in the unity of the Spirit of God. So it wasn't, it, like the corporate gathering is one part of it. The global church is one part of it. The regional church is one part of it. And there's scriptural references to back this up. And then there's just like, let's get together in the home as one part of it. But it's never meant to be one or the other. So that's my final statement. It's never meant to be one or the other. We can't separate ourselves from the global movement of God. We can't separate ourselves from the regional one. We can't become an uh, uh, entity unto ourselves as just this one congregation. And we also can't go to being just an, a, a, a person set apart all alone saying, oh, it's all right, I'm good with God. I'm, I don't need to attend church because then you're not part of the church. Danger, danger. So. I'm going to close in a time of prayer, and we have the family feast. I know I ran over. I, we're trying to, you know, I just, I just, ah. Oh. Exactly. I, I, and I was spouting off a lot of information. 
that maybe, like I said, you, whatever word God had for you, I hope you heard um, this morning. But in this closing time of prayer, I just want to just, just say, like, you know, everybody close your eyes. Because as I'm speaking, I want you to do a self, again, a self-assessment. This is really a matter of where you're at with the Lord. Some of us perhaps, well, perhaps all of us, know that we have bought into a degree or another of a distorted gospel. And have allowed our eyes to drop from the one and only Son of the living God. Hmm. And we've allowed ourselves to be led by our opinions and our preferences on the Christian faith. And that occurs because we've stopped pursuing just Him. With your eyes closed, just think on the image of that video. The lady representing Jesus and the dogs representing the church. And as, as she stepped out of the picture and as their eyes drifted from her, they began to fight amongst one another. Guys, if we don't stay in continual pursuit of the Savior, we, base our, we begin to just base our, our, our faith on opinions and our own thoughts and perspectives. So I just ask, Lord Jesus, that if anybody is feeling like they have, uh, that they have allowed a distorted gospel to enter into their, uh, their spirit, into their world, into their body, where they've pursued the, the love of Jesus by way or means uh, by which they benefit in some way, or that, uh, that they have pursued the love of Jesus um, by means of just wanting the power that comes from knowing him, or wanting, um, Lord, to to be able to change things according to their will, but not your will. Father, we just ask that you lay it down right now, that you allow your spirit to just wash over all of the hearts, all of the minds, all of the bodies in this place, and allow there to be a spiritual cleansing, Heavenly Father, in this house, through which we hunger and desire and seek after you first. And we... We just allow that revelation that we maybe had at first but is dimmed over time because we've stopped pursuing, that we allow that revelation to be stoked up in us again, that we allow the fire to build up in us again, and that it just becomes a burn that we have to chase after you. It's not enough to not look at you. And so I just ask that this morning, Jesus, in your, in your heavenly name, and I ask... Um, that you help us, that you help us to live more sacrificially, that you help us to live more humbly, that you help us to recognize our weakness as our strength. Help us to surrender our authority to you. And Lord, please, Help us to unite as one body with you, Jesus Christ, as our head. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you guys, uh, yep, we have the... First Sunday family feast happening over there. Um, last time we waited a little long before we did communion. We're going to probably do communion pretty early on, so if people have to like just 
hit and run, uh, we can hopefully get to it before, uh, before you have to exit. Be blessed, Praise Fellowship.